Amen. I want you to go ahead and turn your Bibles uh, this morning to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to be looking at the whole chapter this morning. So uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the chapter of love. And you know, when we begin to think about love, we ask ourselves the question, what is love? Uh, the great philosopher Whitney Houston back in the 80s uh, said, uh, you know, how will I know if he really loves me? And so what is love? What is true love? You know, when we begin to think about that, uh, how, how can we know what true love is? Well, we know what true love is because the Word of God gives us a definition of what true love is. Amen. And I want you to understand that the Bible's definition of what true love is, is greatly different than what the world's definition and the world's view of what true love is. And so when we look at the Word of God, we recognize uh, what true love is. You know, when we think about, you know, tomorrow is Valentine's Day, and tomorrow being Valentine's Day, you know, we you know, want to have those romantic, uh, romantic dinners, we want to give the, the, give the flowers, and we want to give the candies and things like that. And so I'm, I'm not really, uh, you know, interested in getting roses unless they're chocolate, right? And so when, when uh, you, you begin to think about that, you try to show that romance, you try to, you, to express that love. Uh, and, and, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. That's good, that's wonderful, and we need to uh, express that love. But when we begin to look at what true love is, we need to look within the Word of God. And so when we look at the Word of God, we begin to understand uh, very clearly what true love is and what true love isn't as well. And you know, when we think about that, we recognize, you know, God is love. You know, the Bible tells us that uh, very specifically, very clearly in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, that God is love. Not just that He possesses love, not just that He has the characteristics of love or shows love, demonstrates love and gives love out, but He is love. He is the very definition of love. And so when we look at the Word of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what we find here is the character of God. What we find here is the character of Jesus Christ. We find the very essence of love within itself. And so when we look at this, and we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says right here, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I become a noisy going or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge and have all, uh, all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient, love is kind and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly, it does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, love never fails. And so when we look at here in the Word of God, we ask ourselves the question, well, what is love? You know, uh, again, in the, in the uh, original languages, in the Greek language here in which the New Testament was written, what, what we understand is that, you know, in the Greek language, in ancient Greek, there's many different words that are used that we just say love today, right? We, we just say, well, I love that. I, I, love, uh, I, I, love, my, I love my cat, you know. Miss Carol, I'm sorry, but some strange people say that. I don't understand it. I don't get it. But, you know, uh, 
I recognize that. I love my dog. And, and you know, I used to have some dogs. We don't have dogs anymore. We had German Shepherds for a long time. And I, we did. We loved our dogs. Amen. And, and so I love my car. You know, I'm a car guy, and I, lo- I do love my car. And, and so uh, as we think that, but then you turn around and say, well, I love my wife, and I love my children, right? Well, when you think about that, those should be should be different types of love. But when you look at the Word of God and you look in the original languages, what you find is within the original languages, within that ancient Greek, there is very specific types of love that is, has a totally different word that, that very specifically points to that. And so when we look at the word love here in chapter 13, as the Bible ends it, a dialogue with saying love never fails, and we begin to think about that. Well, what type of love, what very specific type of love is the Word of God talking about? Now, you know, again, Valentine's Day is tomorrow, and so you have the ancient Greek word eros, and so when we look at that ancient Greek word uh, eros, it is a romantic type of love. It's a romantic love between a man and between a woman, and so when we think about that type of love that is between a man and between a woman, uh, that, that is the ancient Greek word for that uh, is eros, but it's interesting that it is the, the, the most used word in ancient Greek literature. It is used for the word love more than any other word in ancient Greek literature. It's found all over ancient Greek literature, but it's nowhere in the Word of God. <laughs> it's not in the Bible. That particular word, though found in Many manuscripts in ancient Greek literature is not in the Bible whatsoever. We also find the ancient, we find the ancient Greek word uh, philia. In, in philia, it is found in the Bible. It's also another uh, very popular Greek word, but it's only found a few times within the Bible. And it talks about a brotherly type of love or, or a very close friendship type of love. That brotherly love, or that, that very close friendship, that kindred type of love, and most of the times that it's found uh, within the New Testament, the majority of the time it is translated as beloved rather than just love. And so when we look at this, we also understand, need to point this out, that the word charity, it, it's not the word charity, right? It's an a, a unfortunate translation there, but it's not charity. Charity is something where you give from compassion, and charity should be given out of a heart of love, as we see here in just a little bit. But the word here is not charity. What is the word? The word, rather, is agape. Agape love. So when we begin to think about that agape, that, that original word that is, that is used right here, agape, what we begin to understand, you know, unlike uh, eros, which is a, a kind of a, a feeling, a, a, it's, a, it's emotional, kind of that goosebump, those stars in the eye, sparkle in the eye, a flutter of the heart, uh, you know, kind, of, kind of love. That, that's not what agape love is. And so we begin to look at that agape love, and so and there's nothing wrong 
wrong, by the way, uh, with having the feelings and having the emotions and having the stars and eyes and the, the flutter of the heart and the goosebumps and things like that. God created emotions, right? So emotions can lie to us and emotions can be misleading, but it's also something that God has given to us. So there's nothing particularly wrong with that type of, of, of love, but when we begin to think about that and begin to understand that, you know, agape love is the truest form of love because what is agape love? Agape love is sacrificial love. Agape love, it means it's not at all about me, then it's 100% about you, and I am willing there because of my love of which I have towards you, towards humanity, or towards God, or towards whoever. I am willing then, therefore, to sacrifice myself, so it's not about the emotions and the uh, the, the feelings and the, 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 the tickling uh, of the heart or whatever it is. In fact, when we begin to think about what the world usually perceives as love, uh, a famous psychiatrist by the name of uh, uh, Dr. Carl Menninger, he wrote this. He said, what most people mean when they say, I love you, is I love me and I want you. <laughs> think about that. And you know it's true. <laughs> when they say I love you, they really mean I love me and I want you. You see, that's the danger of the feelings. That's the danger of the emotions. That's the danger of, of the goosebumps and the fluttering of the heart and things like that. That teenage boy that's raging with hormones that tells that teenage girl that I love you. He really don't love her. Amen? He's got other things going on, but he wants to use her. Amen? It's the truth. It's the absolute truth. But the agape love is totally different from that. The agape love means that it has absolutely nothing to do with me. It's not about my feelings. It's not about my emotions. It's not about my goosebumps. And I might even have to sacrifice myself as a result of this agape love. But as a result of this agape love, it's not that I say I love you, but I really love me, and I just want you. And it means that I am willing to sacrifice myself on account of you and that's what true love is and so when we begin to recognize that that's what true love is agape love is sacrificial love and so when we look at that and we realize that agape love is sacrificial love we say you know that's the very character of God that's the very characteristics of God that's who God is again first John 4 16 God is Love is so we see the very character of God and we begin to recognize who God is. We recognize that God so loved the world that He did what He gave. What did He give? He didn't just give roses or, 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 or uh, you know, candies or whatever. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. But He gave Himself. How did He give Himself? He died on the cross. He died a very cruel death. He died a very torturous death. He said, I am willing to lay down my life for you. Why? Because I love you. 
You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, whenever I do weddings, I almost always, in fact, I, I can't recall a single time I have it, I almost always use that text of Scripture when, whenever I'm doing a wedding. And so in that wedding, I'll always read that because it is the definition of love. It is the very root of love. It is the very character of love, but it's not at all talking about marriage. Amen? But in regard to marriage, when we begin to understand that an agape love is truly, uh, you know, sacrificial love, that's the type of love. God, the Word of God never has that word eros in it, even though within the uh, Greek, in the ancient Greek language, it is the most popular word that is found. When we look in the Word of God, it's not in there at all. But the most prominent word that is found for the word of love is agape. That sacrificial love so therefore when you look at uh, Ephesians chapter 5 beginning in verse 25 and it begins to tell us how the type of love ought to be between a husband and a wife it doesn't talk about that romantic eros type of love it, it talks about agape love it talks about that sacrificial love and then therefore in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 it says husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. So first of all, we see that Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? Christ loved the church enough to give himself up for the church. What does that mean? He died for the church. He shed his blood for the church. And that is the very way in which the Word of God says, Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives that way. That agape love, that not just the feelings, not just the emotions, not just the goosebumps, not just when you're being loved back that you show love, not just that you're trying to get something out of the other individual, but friends, it is for the purpose of sacrificing yourself. And so oftentimes we hear, you know, when it starts off in this text of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 22, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. Well, women livers, uh, livers love that, don't they? <laughs> what? Subject yourself to the husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church himself, being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Of course, we could stop right there, right? We can stop right there and say, all right, it's the husband's job to sit back on his throne called the lazy boy, to pick up his scepter called the remote control and demand orders and say, woman, you do this because the Bible says that women are to be in subject to their husbands and that is not at all what the Word of God is teaching right there because then immediately after that it says, husbands, love your wives. Does Christ love the church? How? Giving himself up for her. Giving himself up for her for what purpose? Of what manner? 
giving himself up to her so that she might be uh, she, that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of the water with the word that he might present to himself the church in all her glory having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she would be holy and blameless and so he loves his life in such a sacrificial way that she is lifted up and she is exalted. Friend, any wife that knows that their husband's loving them that way will very naturally subject herself to him. Won't even think about it. Amen? And so when we recognize that, we get back to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Friends, every part of the Christian life is identified with agape love. It is identified with agape love. It is identified with that sacrificial love that I put myself out on behalf of the other. Amen? I put myself out on behalf of God. I put myself out on behalf of the church. I put myself out for, on the behalf of humanity because I love God, because I love the church, and because I love humanity. Why? Because Not because I first loved them, but because God first loved me, and He demonstrated that agape love towards me by giving Himself up for me and for the church. And so therefore, I see that as the example. And when I begin to understand that, the more I understand that, the more I recognize that, the more I know who God is and the more I love God. And therefore, the more willing I am, therefore, to surrender myself wholly unto God. Because I recognize and I know and now I'm responding to the love that God has for me. See, that's what true love is. True love. And when we begin to recognize and understand that, friends, that's how the very Christian character ought to be. Everything that makes us, us as Christians, as children of God, whether it be marriage, whether it be parenthood, whether it being just a, a man of God or a woman of God. Not about me. Why Jesus said, let the first be last and the last be first, because it's not about us. The more we understand that, the more we're going to demonstrate love and show love, express love, and live out a life of love. He starts off there in this text of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak with the, uh, the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I've become a noisy going or a clanging symbol. If I have eloquent speech and eloquent talk, and I, I, I can speak as the most elegant man, or eloquent man, uh, and, you know, el eloquent human being that has ever spoken to give such speeches that, and speak in such a manner that, that, that people are just, you know, flabbergasted. I can't even say that, so I'm not speaking too eloquent right now. So, so just absolutely flabbergasted by the, the way in which he's speaking, but he doesn't have love and can even speak as the angels. The language of the angels. But yet do not have love. The noisy going or clinging symbol. 
Anybody have children, maybe a five-year-old or four-year-old, you gave them a tambourine or something for Christmas and then you greatly regretted it? What was I thinking? <laughs> Amen. You, you hear that clinging cymbal, you hear that, that, that banging and that noise and you, it's like, you know, this toy is about to get lost. Amen? It's about to get lost real quick. And, and, and so you, you, you recognize that as being an annoying sound. And that's what we are when we don't speak with love. I was with a group of pastors a couple weeks ago, and one of the pastors kind of surprised me with a question that he asked me. It was a good question, but he, he surprised me with this. He was asking one of the older pastors, one of the more experienced pastors, and, and uh, a, a, a very godly man, somebody I have great respect for, he said, you know, how can we have a satisfied ministry? And how can we enjoy, that was the word he used, how can we enjoy ministry? It's not about preaching, just preaching, it's not about just doing the work of the ministry, but this is what he said. Dr. Ken Rhodes, by the way, said this. He's now the pastor of Juniper Grove. He used to be the director of missions at Pearl River Baptist Church. He said this. He said, you have to love God and you have to love the people. <laughs> Amen? You have to love God and you have to love the people. When you love God and you love the people, listen. It doesn't matter how eloquently you say things. It doesn't matter how bad you mess it up. If they know you love them, you'll be blessed. If they know you don't, yea, though I speak through the voice of Adrian Rogers, but have not love, I'm not going to hit the end of this pulpit. It says, regardless of what you're doing, People truly know you love them. Then he goes on and he says, If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all, all knowledge, and I have a faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. You see, it's interesting that in these things, he's wrapping this around spiritual gifts. And so uh, as he's wrapping this around spiritual gifts, spiritual gift of prophecy, I have the prophecy to where I have all knowledge. All knowledge. When's Jesus coming back? I can tell you the exact day and hour because the Bible says I'll have all knowledge. Which no one's ever going to have that, by the way. But I can have all knowledge to where I can know all mysteries, I can know all things, and I can have so much faith where I can remove the mountains, but I do not have love. I am nothing. Let's see the interesting thing about the spiritual gifts is here when you look in 1 Corinthians, uh, the, the church of Corinth, they apparently had the spiritual gifts, right? And they were all about the spiritual gifts. In fact, you know, they, they, they misunderstood them. They didn't really know what they were and they didn't really know the, the proper ways in which using these spiritual gifts. But it's interesting, right in the midst of this, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is when he's talking about love. But when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, you kind of have the list there of what the spiritual gifts are. Then you have chapter 13. 
13, uh, which talks about uh, the, uh, the, uh, the greatest of all of the gifts is love. And then he skips on to chapter 14, and he says, okay, now that I've explained to you what they are, but then what the greatest gift is, is love. And then he goes on in chapter 14, he says, now let me show you, you know, let me tell you how, to, how we're to use these in a proper order, because God's not a God of confusion. Right? But you have all the spiritual gifts in the world, but yet you don't have love. You're nothing. That's what the Bible is saying right here. Of course, the church of Corinth thought that they was all that and then some because of these spiritual gifts. And the Apostle Paul was there through the power of the Holy Spirit to kind of knock them down a few notches and say, you're not really doing anything. Right? You think you are. But you're really not. In fact, in chapter uh, 3, he tells them that they're carnal. He said, are you not carnal? You've, you've got jealousy and strife among you. You're carnal. Not even spiritual. And so we recognize that that is important. If we're going to truly be spiritual, if we're going to truly be men and women of God, we have to have love. An absolute necessity is to have love. Verse 3 says, If I give all my possessions to feed the poor and surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. I give everything I own, but I don't do it out of the heart of love. You know, a lot of people give, but yet they give out of a sign of, okay, God, I, I gave, now you have to bless me. God doesn't have to do anything. A lot of people say, God, if I, if, 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 if I do this, then I want you to do that. No, God doesn't say, let's make a deal. God says, here is the deal. Amen? You can't buy God off. You can't bribe God. You can't twist God's arm into blessing you. If we give, the only gift that's going to be blessed is the gift that's given out of love. Amen? What Jesus was talking about with the widow. He said, all you are here giving out of your abundance, but this woman gave everything she had. Who's more blessed? Giving out of their abundance, for they didn't even realize it was given. Didn't hurt them. They didn't feel it. They had an abundance. Making a big show out of it. And that woman, that widow, gave very little, almost nothing. Pennies compared to what they gave. But yet Jesus honored her because she gave out of the true heart of love. Oh, and I give my body over to be burned, but have not love. What has it accomplished me? Absolutely nothing. I can even martyr myself, but don't do it from the heart of love. It's absolutely useless, absolutely worthless. Then he goes on and he gives, you know, those are the improper motives of doing things, and the proper motive of why we need to do everything is out of love. 
But then he goes on and in the beginning of verse 4, he begins to list the characteristics of love. If we truly have love, this is going to be who we are because notice how he says it in verse 4. He says, love is patient. This is what love is. And if God is love, this is who God is. And if we're acting out and we're living out a life of true agape love, this is who we ought to be. Love is patient. We need to be patient. Amen? And so when we begin to look at patience and begin to understand, I don't have time to get into each one of these this morning, but but, but we need to be patient. Love is kind. We need to be kind. Love is not jealous. We don't need to be jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. We don't need to brag and be arrogant individuals and does not act unbecomingly. What does that mean? Don't be rude. I am going to camp out on this one for just a little bit. I was going through my Facebook wall and looking at different Facebook things and there's this thing on there called uh, What's Happening in Picayune. I think that's what it's called. And then it's talking about places to go eat on Sundays. And you know what people were saying? Oh, you don't want to go eat on Sundays. No, don't do it. Why? Because of those Christians that get out of church. And they go into these restaurants and they're rude. You know the sad reality that's true a lot of times? I can't tell you how many waitresses I've heard over the years that talk about Christian waitresses I'm talking about. I'm not talking about heathenistic hate church anyway, Christian. I'm talking about Christian waitresses that talk about how rude church groups is. Christian waitresses that said, I hate to get a church group. Because they're so rude. How dare that be the witness that we need to be? Amen? Don't be rude. We, we live in a life that is filled with rudeness and we're used to it. We go to Houston all the time and it's like, I think they have an app on their phone that tells them about five seconds before the light's about to be green because they go ahead and start laying down on the horn. Amen? And if you don't hit that gas the second that light turns green, you're going to get honked at. Folks are rude. Amen? I lived in a big city all the time. I might be kind of rude, too. <laughs> i tell you what. I feel for them. Do not act, act unbecomingly, verse 5. It does not seek its own. Again, it's not about me. Amen? Is not provoked. Well, we can camp out on that one a lot too. People being provoked. People people get their feelings hurt about everything nowadays. Amen? It doesn't matter what it is. They're going to get their feelings hurt about it. Friends, that shouldn't be us as children of God. Does not take into account our own suffered. Don't wear your feelings on your shoulders getting hurt all the time and, you know, uh, worried about what other people has done to you, but, but, but when we have a heart of love, we're going to be the type of person that Jesus was. And while Jesus was hanging on the cross, He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. 
does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. Verse 7, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now in that, verse 7, we don't need to get it too confused. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. So that means anything goes, right? No, because we have verse 6 right there. It says, do not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. I'm going to tell you the truth because I love you. I'm just going to lay down and let you stomp over me. And if you stomp on me, then I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, not, I'm not going to take into account a wrong sufferer. I'm still going to love you. But at the same time of me loving you, I'm still going to tell you the truth. Even though you might not like it. My father-in-law was a smoker. He would get mad when the doctor would tell him, you got to stop smoking. It'd make him so mad. But smoking eventually killed him. I believe he'd be alive today if he never picked up a cigarette. That's what ended up killing him. Doctor didn't tell him to stop smoking out of a heart of hate. The doctor told him to stop smoking out of a heart of care. Because I love you, you're gonna, I'm going to tell you the truth whether you want to hear it or not. Amen? The doctor that came in and diagnosed me with cancer came in. I kid you not. Tears in his eyes. He said, you're going to die. I'll kill you. There's nothing we could do about it. Now, obviously, that didn't happen, but he thought in his mind at that time that he was telling me the truth. And you could see it in his heart and his eyes with his eyes watered up. I kind of felt sorry for him a little bit. I wanted to give him a hug. Tell him, it's going to be okay, Doc. I'm saved. Heaven bound. Not that I want to die. But love rejoices in the truth. Love never fails. Isn't that an amazing way to end this? Love never fails. How is that? But if there are any gifts of prophecy, they will be done away with. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away with. For we now we know in part and prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. By the way, who is the perfect? It's Jesus. <laughs> Amen? When Jesus comes, now we know in part, but then we're going to know fully. Verse 11, when I was a child, I used to speak like a child, like, uh, think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we see face to face. Now, in, uh, now I know in part, but then I will know fully, just as I have also been fully known. But now, but now, faith, hope, and love abide in these three. What three? Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So Jesus is the perfect. And when He comes, say, well, what do you mean, what, Brother Weston? When He comes, He's already come. 
And He has. And He's introduced us to love. But now we love in part. Because we only know in part. And the only reason we love in part is because we know Jesus, but we still don't know Jesus fully as of yet. But then we're going to know Him fully, just as we're also fully known. Amen? So what do I do today until that time comes? All these other things, all all the rest of that stuff, all that stuff's going to be done away with, but love's never going to be done away with. We will always know love because we're always going to know Jesus. We're going to know Him fully, whereas now we only know Him in part. But as the world sees me as my wife sees me today, she needs to see Jesus in me. I need to Love her just as Christ loved the church. As my children see me today, they need to see Jesus in me. As you see me, you need to see Jesus in me, not just because I'm your pastor, but because I'm a Christian. That goes for every single one of us today that are bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. As the world sees you, they need to see Jesus in you. And as they see Jesus in you, they're going to begin to understand what true love really is. Because they're going to begin to understand who Jesus is. Now as the praise team comes up this way this morning, the only way you can show the love of Jesus as you stand this morning. The only way you can truly show the love of Jesus within your life is if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. And friends, today, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there's no possible way you can live out that life of love. You cannot do it. It's impossible to do it apart from Jesus Christ being in you. So today, if you're not saved, today, if you're not born again, ball with the blood of Jesus Christ. Today, would you come give your heart and life to Jesus? Well, why should I give my life to Jesus? Because He loved you enough to die for you to where you wouldn't be separated from Him for all eternity. Rather, you would be with Him for all eternity. That's the first and foremost reason. Amen? He died to make that possible. So today, if you don't know Jesus, would you come to know Him? Just come down here. I don't don't even know what to do. Come down here. I'll, I'll be glad to tell you what to do. Glad to show you what you need to do. It's simple. You just need to put your faith and trust in Jesus. But I'll be glad to lead you in that and talk to you more about that. If you're a Christian, you know you're a Christian, you know you're a child of God, but you haven't been living that Christ-centered life with a demonstration of love, and you know it. And letting that flesh take over, and listen, we all do it from time to time. 
Right here, right now, today, you need to repent of that. You just need to lean wholly on Jesus and let him live through you. Amen? Would you do that this morning, right now? Brother Keith leads during this time of invitation. As God stirs in your heart, you come.